everyone, and welcome to Serious Business, episode number four. I'm Patrick Gray. This is the podcast I do for shiggles with Australian comedian Dan Illick. It has been a little while since we've done one of these. Uh, and do keep in mind, I do not bleep out naughty words in this podcast. So if you are travelling with your kids in the car, you may want to choose another time to listen to this podcast. Uh, this week, we are going to talk to Dan about the nationalist anti-Islam rallies held across Australia over the last week or so. Uh, we chat about Donald Trump being a douche and Barack Obama's new lease on life as a lame duck president. Oh, and we also chat about the Ashley Madison hack because, hey, who isn't talking about that? Dan, it's been a little while since we've had a chat and uh, in that time, it appears that the ultra-right wing of Australia mm. have mobilised but just don't call them the ultra-right wing of Australia. <laughs> what do they want to be called? They need a rebranding exercise. Hey, they're not racist. See, look at me. I'm standing here with my Asian mate. Maybe they should just be renamed the ultra white wing of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> there was a great bloke. Uh, John Safran wrote an extraordinary pre piece about the Reclaim Australia rallies in Melbourne. Uh, and one of the things that happened was a bloke got up on stage, a white bloke, and then saying he proceeded to explain how not racist he was because he had a Thai wife. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> so um, for those who have not been following this, uh, a group of sort of white nationalist crazies basically have staged a series of Reclaim Australia rallies in all of the capitals. Um, the protests, I think in Melbourne, 50 of them turned up and they were dwarfed by about 300 sort of, you know, student union style leftists who turned up for a bit of a Barney and it got pretty ugly, didn't it? Mm, yeah, it was pretty extraordinary to see... Um it's pretty extraordinary to see a, a group groups like they, this exist and willing to put their racism on the line uh, out in the front of everyone. Uh, but it's also extraordinary to see those numbers of people protesting are far outnumbered by those protesting against that group. In many respects, around with the rallies around the world, around Australia, um, the the protesters, the right wing protesters, were largely outnumbered by the number of police as well as other protesters protesting their movements. So at least that is comforting. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. This is it gives me the warm and fuzzies as well to know that like if you are a Nazi and you're going to have a rally, there's going to be a bunch of students who are going to want to turn up and kick your teeth in, and I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> you know? you're, you're happy about that? That's good. That's good. Well, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not for violence, but I certainly like the idea that um, that another protest can happen and those people can just protest louder uh, yeah. <laughs> over the racist protest. I saw a wonderful video online, I think it was posted by The Telegraph in the UK, of men parading with the Confederate flag through the streets of Missouri and then a guy came out of his house with a tuba uh, or a flugelhorn and started playing, like, comical circus music behind them. <laughs> uh, it, it was just really funny. Um, nice. Uh, it was like... <laughs> and uh, they can't do anything about it because he's just protesting their protest. So it's, it's really funny, just... It, but just completely undercuts the seriousness of their Confederate flag protest yeah. with the flugelhorn. It's yeah, fantastic. I love that. And they're supposed to be pro-freedom, right? So they can't exactly get angry with Tuba guy. <laughs> That's uh, right. Which exactly. is great. I mean, one thing I, that I've noticed is is with these um, right-wing uh, people that we're dealing with here in Australia, um, they they have their Facebook presence set up and they, they've got these guys who are their leaders, you know, and they're real blokey blokes and they love to turn on the camera and go, now listen, we're going to take this country back, you know. We're going to have these rallies. You need to be there. 
And that sort of thing. And there's parody videos. So I watched one parody video, which was pretty funny. It was okay. And there was like a suggested video underneath it, which I clicked on it, expecting it to be a parody video. It turned out to be the real thing, but I shit you not, I had to watch it for about three and a half minutes before I realised it wasn't a parody. (laughs) And here's what the extraordinary thing is about these guys uh, and how can... The parody... It's a parody is good when people are confused with that whether it's real or not, which is great. Um, but when but the real what, thing, <laughs> but the real thing is so de- depressing, um, it's unbelievable. But here's the thing, Pat like these guys who make these right wing videos, they are just making them in the style of Al Qaeda circa 2003. Yeah, we just flags in background, check. Flags in in background, (laughs) flags on heads, one camera. You might as well be in a cave in Afghanistan. Pretty Uh, much. But what they don't understand is to make it in social media these days and you want to have a group that, you know, galvanises a community, you're going to need production values, mate. That's right. ISIS have extraordinary production values. They've got heads exploding, people on fire, it's 2015, Pat. They they really need to up their production game. So these Aussie patriots really need to pick up their video production skills. They might need to hire, like, a Muslim from ISIS to do the job for them. Yeah, well, those guys do have excellent production value. Um, but, I mean, the, the thing that cracks me up about these guys is they say they are protesting Islam and they don't want Sharia law in Australia. Now, first off, you know, Muslims are like 2% of our population and this idea that... Sharia law is impending and, you know, it's all going to go that way. It's, it's just, it's really crazy. But to say that, you know, you want to ban mosques and then say you're not racist, I mean, how can anyone even utter that? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. No, I, I don't. I think it's um, quite interesting that we're both trying to make sense of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe this is just one of those things where we just need to acknowledge that, no, it doesn't make sense uh, and we all need to move on. But what is, I think, is the most uh, interesting aspect of this is that this has come from top down. Like This has come from Australian leadership. Once upon a time in this country, you had strong Australian leadership who wouldn't resort to the kind of scare tactics that are being used now on the Australian population. And because our current leadership is using fear as a motivation to get laws passed, what you see now is the population in turn turning scared Mm. Uh, for no good reason. Well, and our so, benevolent leader, Grand Chancellor Abbott, did say that ISIS was coming for each and every one of us. I mean, ISIS, last time I checked, it's like twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 people. Like, good luck yeah. to them, but I don't think they're going to get the job done, you know? Uh, if they're like, if they have, if they have like the skills of like James Bond, then I would be scared. But I've seen these videos. They're just, they're just fucking idiots. <laughs> Basically, yes. I want to point out that I'm very uh, open on social media. You can come chat to me, Isis, uh, at Dan Illick, and we can have a, a, a frank discussion uh, about what is real and what isn't real in the world. <laughs> mm, that uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be sitting back with some popcorn watching that one. <laughs> I just want to say too, like, you know, when I actually clicked through that video that I thought was a parody but wasn't, it sent me into this thing where I was like reading a lot of the comments and the comment threads on their, on their you know, on their Facebook pages and stuff. And my favourite little exchange is when one of these like ultra hard right Nazi supporters turns up and starts contributing. People start telling him to piss off. Oh, you Nazis are giving us a bad name, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Things escalated to the point where one of the Reclaim Australia people actually said this, you Nazis are nearly as bad as the Muslims. And I'm just thinking, wow, the Nazis are nearly as bad as Muslims. You guys, you guys are not racist. 
at all. At all. But yeah, it's look, really, I'd recommend people check out uh, John Safran's piece too. It was a good one, wasn't it? Uh, it was a great piece. And if I can get people to have a look at, jump onto their Facebook feeds and look at the major parody. The, the, my mates created this awesome parody group called True Australian Patriots. So if you're on Facebook, go check True Australian Patriots. Patriots out, and um, these are the guys that are doing it the best in terms of parody. Uh, <laughs> it was just one of their. I've just pulled up one of their their um, their status updates, and it goes fucking knew it, fucking lefties. It looked like there are more of them than us already. Fuck, guys, why do you have to ruin it? Please, just let us have one thing for one day. My mum is crying all over this. She made lamingtons and everything. She has way <laughs> too many now because there aren't enough people on our side. This is what halal does. Fuck. <laughs> now that's yeah. really funny, but what is funnier is that there was a Twitter feed of a true right wing group that would that's get that gets handed around, uh, and people have di- different people have access to it to update, and they passed on the access to a guy in Brisbane who was who was organized was meant to be organizing the Brisbane rally, and he was driving in from the suburbs of Brisbane, but his car wouldn't start, so he just used it to say, "Oh fuck, I can't make it. My car's broken down. Or oh, if anyone's coming by this way, can you come pick me up from Capulcha? Oh, like it's so funny. Like that's like the level." That these guys are operating at. So anyway, it's I I, I feel sorry for them. The guys wow. who are doing the the guys who are doing the parodies are, are much more together. But Their isn't it great? You look, at, you look at the extreme right in countries like the United States, and you look at the extreme right in countries like Europe. Um, you know, and I'm not talking about right wing versus left wing. I mean extreme right. You know, no one really wants extreme anything in their country. No, true. Now, when yeah. you see extreme right rallies in Europe, they're terrifying. These guys are getting forming political parties and actually getting people elected. Uh, same in the United States. Whereas here, it's like fifty dickheads you know, surrounded by police while students throw shit at them. Like it's, you know what I mean? Isn't it a bit reassuring to know that our extreme right is this piss week? Mm, yeah, it, it is. And it, I think it is and it isn't. I think it's larger than we think it is. Like mm. we can sit here in our lefty silo and talk about how how much these guys are idiots. But I, I think there's a larger group of them out there. They just aren't very vocal because they know what they think is is a little too dangerous for Australia. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd have to agree on that. And you're right in what you say about the, you know, the current leadership, if you want to call it that, of this country sort of enabling this type of behaviour. You know, we haven't seen strong statements. We've even seen a government uh, MP go and speak at one of these rallies, which just boggles my, uh, boggles my mind. George Christensen is his uh, name, y- I think. Yeah, yeah, but, but government, IPs, government I, uh, MPs aren't uh, that bright. When I did Beaconsville the Musical, I had a senator from Tasmania send me an email saying, give him a call straight away. When I called him, he said, mate, if you bring Beaconsfield the musical down here, you're going to be hung, drawn and quartered and dragged through the streets by the back of a ute. And I was like, oh, well, thank you, Senator. Thanks for the warning. (laughs) Like that's no different to, um, you know, someone in Saudi Arabia doing the same thing for having sex with someone they shouldn't have. Yeah, I don't think that actually would have happened, but that's kind of cool. Did you print print and frame? Oh, no, it was voice. I was going to say, if that was a written threat, you'd have to print and frame it. No, no, I wish I recorded it, though. That would have been wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Who was it? Uh, Senator. There you go. Uh, Hello, Senator. If you happen to stumble across this, please don't sue us for defamation. Well, that's what he said. So, you know, he tried to sue Fairfax for defamation when I wrote about it, but that's exactly what he said. So what can you do? So uh, I'm guessing after the edit, he will be known as Beep. (laughs) (laughs) Senator Beep. Actually, Senator Senator Beep. 
Soup is a much more appropriate name for him. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, uh, speaking of racists, um, Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Now, this has been a lot of fun uh, for people who actually don't have to worry about this guy becoming the leader of their country, namely us. It's a lot of fun. Donald Trump launches his political, you know, presidential campaign, starts coming out and saying Mexicans are rapists and drug dealers and that's who's coming into this country and, like, saying some really offensive, crazy shit, especially considering the number of, um, you know, Mexicans and people of Mexican origin who live in the United States. Like, just crazy shit. No one from the Republican Party says boo. But then he gives another speech where he says, McCain, John McCain, he ain't a war hero. He got caught. And all of a sudden the Republican Party is in uproar. Are you surprised that, you know, they didn't react more strongly to the Mexican stuff and they did to the McCain stuff? I mean, it's just it just seems like, wow, that's I mean, it is a very clear line, isn't it? When you start criticizing Mm. one of America's loved uh, uh, war heroes. Well, not only that, one of the Republicans most loved mm. uh, people as well. I think that's kind of, I think it's kind of telling with the state of America right now and race. People who are in charge of the conversation don't know how to deal with race. Uh, and so Donald Trump is one of those people who are, who by the very virtue of his stature and color and, and, and prominence is in charge of the conversation. Uh, much to the RNC's um, disgust. So the RNC is turning cold on Donald Trump, which is kind of interesting. So while the Republican voters are really keen on him, he is he's he's blitzing the the Republican field in terms of popularity. It, it, the RNC, the National Committee, is nervous about him because if he does get in, um, they just cannot win at all. Mm. Uh, so. And to the point where Donald Trump right now, his rhetoric is along the lines that he would even consider starting a third party because he because of his popularity. Well, and because they're not a because they're not a you know because they've got their funny system. Any third party, all that's going to do is sort of rob the Republicans of the votes because I don't think he's going to be pulling in too many Democratic votes. Exactly, um, he will do what Ralph Nader did to the Democrats and basically yeah. basically suck. Uh, suck the the vote out of uh, out of the um, the Al Gore race. So yeah. that, that's that's exactly what I mean, that's exactly what will happen. So good luck to him. You know that would be <laughs> you know extraordinary if that happened. Yeah. So uh, in Australia we can have a third party and then basically you know any vote say someone votes for the Greens or they vote for One Nation or whatever you know due to our preferential voting system that vote if you know the first selection doesn't make it. Um, you know, those votes then get distributed to the second preference. But they don't have yeah. the same sort of preferential voting in the US, do they? Which kind of means their their two-party system is just completely entrenched. No, it's it's crazy. And this is one of the things that Obama's been trying to change as well. Like, it's a long run um, and he, he, want, he would love to see immense electoral reform. But unfortunately, in the United States, there's so many incumbent people who rely so heavily on the way that the current system is so fucked mm. that, that 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 will never happen. So, <laughs> like, uh, it's really great that Obama has kind of given the states powers to make sure they can override gerrymandering and things like that. So that's, you know, that's that's a move in the right direction. But when it comes to other things, 
it's um it's certainly not uh it's certainly not an equitable playing field by any stretch of the imagination. He is turning into a very interesting lame duck, Obama. Uh, I don't know if you saw his speech to the NAACP on prison reform, where he's like, hey, guess what? We're 5% of the world's population. We have 25% of the world's prisoners. We have double the incarceration rate of China. We, our population, our prison population has doubled in the last 20 years. You know, the system is broken and we need to fix it. If you look at the states where they reduced their prison populations, crime went down, etc., etc., etc. Putting someone in solitary does nothing to rehabilitate them. So I think... We could be about to see a new phase, you know, like Yolo Obama, because yeah. he's not campaigning anymore. So this could be an interesting year and a half, you know? But I think maybe it sets an interesting precedent for future presidents as well, where they can kind of come in and use their executive power, use their executive orders uh, at towards the end of their presidency. So any any notion that you have to be a lame duck if you don't control both of uh, the Senate and the House uh, in your final year of your pre- in your final two years of presidency can be thrown out the window now, and it's an interesting precedent where he's just trying to get as much stuff done that he possibly can. And I think that's I think when he no longer has to make compromises in that respect, you can I think the citizens will see just the values that uh, Obama does hold true. I, mm. I, I, I'm, it's hard to be, it's hard to not like what Obama's doing. It uh, is, it is. And that's and, the thing, I've, I've noticed that in the last few months, he started looking shiny again since, for the first time since probably around sometime in 08. Well, he kind of said this thing where he... He reckons seven years into the job, he's finally got a good handle of the job. You know, like yeah. seven, seven years in, he reckons he could be president again and do a really good job. You know, like it's... Oh, he would have said that. That's trolling Republicans, like, about as hard as... You know, they hate it. Every time there's an executive order, all of a sudden, Obama, it's King Obama with his royal decree. He's a dictator, you know? So got to love it that he that he actually trolls them so well. Yeah, I think... I, what's annoying about Obama is that he's so pragmatic and... And everything he says kind of makes sense. <laughs> I kind of go, oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and uh, I wish I could say the same things for my leaders. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, it's easy for us to say outside of the country, and that's. I think a lot of my American friends forget that. That as far as the rest of the world is concerned, like we were in the anyone but Bush camp. Okay, you know, uh, people have forgotten just how how much of a wrecking ball um, George W. Bush was. So. You know, Obama gets critiqued a lot for domestic policy implementation of uh, of his um, uh, you know medical program and all of that sort of stuff. But yeah. as far as we're concerned, hey, you know, like America seems to be dropping a lot less bombs, uh, seems oh. to be not invading as many places. There's like a deal with Iran on the table, you know, concerning their nuclear program. You know, this is all good stuff. And now, you know, we look at uh, at the US, we see what they're doing with their prisoners, and we think that's crazy. And now he's moving on that. So I guess yeah, if it was an international popularity contest, he'd probably be more popular. Um, here than he is there. My view is a little bit skewed because I was living in San Francisco and San Francisco is also a very left-leaning progressive city. So I, I kind of have I kind of have a different point of view. But I do have 1% friends who live on Nantucket Island uh, and they have the opposing view and yeah. they're, just, they're just blatantly opposed to everything that Obama does. Hey, well, I, look, you know how he's hinting that he should be able to do more than two terms and, you know, there is that military exercise in Texas at the moment, Dan, <laughs> Jade Helm. <laughs> Connect the dots, people. Connect the dots. <laughs> Finally, America will become the Muslim 
caliphate that it was destined to be. That's right. When Obama, with, end, Obama enters his third term. Starting with Texas. Texas <laughs> needs to be the centre of the US caliphate uh, uh, run by Barack Hussein Obama. That's um, right. Now, mate, uh, before we go, I just want to check in and get your thoughts on this Ashley Madison thing. Now, you can imagine, as you can imagine, I've had a pretty crazy week um, because... It's funny. It's like we all know that the internet is not a safe place, that computer systems are not secure. I mean, I've spent the last 15 years of my life documenting this in various forms. Um, Day in, day out, Patrick Gray will tell you, don't use anything with electricity. Yeah, That's what he will tell you. If you want to be secure... Don't use whatever. Use natural materials that just, don't carry just, any kind of signal. Just pull a Ted Kaczynski, move to a log cabin in the woods, okay? Maybe don't blow people up, but, you know, that's that's not a bad idea. So it seems like something happens uh, every couple of years that just reminds people um, of this fact. And the Ashley Madison thing, man, the reaction to it has been absolutely huge. And I think it is just simply uh, the fact that, you know, people are enjoying seeing cheaters uh, uh, having one put put over on them, See, seeing them get a taste of you know something nasty. I mean, is that it? What is what is driving the frenzy on this story? I think it's probably. Um, I think you said it best that it's technology mixed with infidelity, and infidelity gets people excited. It's the I think it's the sexy part of this that is makes the story sexy itself. Because you know, Adult Friend Finder got owned two months ago, right? Now anyone who's taken a look at any dating site ever will tell you that married people have been using Ashley Madison's a relatively new thing. Married people have been using online dating to hook up affairs since online dating was a thing. It was one of the first uses for it because it was a discreet way to meet people, right? So whether or not it's Adult Friend Finder, whether or not it's Tinder, whether or not it's Ashley Madison, like it's the same thing, you know? So why have people gone crazy? I think I think because Ashley Madison is dedicated to that cause, you know, and that mm. is the brand. That is the brand that people turn to when they want to have an affair. And it is bad people wanting to be meet other bad people, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it, isn't it? It's the Schadenfreude uh, aspect to it all that, that makes it that's, sell. That, you know, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It is Schadenfreude. And I think when we see two two lots of bad people coming together and we see that, uh, that, that charade fall down, then I think that's exciting. You know, uh, Ashley Madison founders have started a new app and um, I, I believe the new app is 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 just dedicated to divorce singles. So uh, <laughs> they're basically feeding one market with another. What's interesting about this week, I think there are two stories that have kind of brought insecurity infosec into the line into the limelight this week. Ashley Madison and then the Jeep story. Oh, the, the guys, Jeep story it just guy, keeps on the, giving. I mean, I, I don't know too much about it. I've, I kind of read an article on Wired and I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense and that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. No, look, it's awesome research. Charlie Miller and Chris Valasek have been doing this stuff for years, you know, and then finally they've managed the holy grail, which is remote, you know, unauthenticated, complete remote control of a vehicle. Man, that one's going around. Although Adam Boileau, my co-host on, on Risky Business, just sent me a link, which I just showed you before we started recording, which is from Fox and & Friends, um, and the tweet is, Patch your Chrysler vehicle before hackers kill you. That is that, and I love it when Fox News takes yeah. on InfoSec. Patch I your car because hackers are coming to kill you. I believe the official response from Chrysler Australia was, "Oh, that's irrelevant to Australia." And all I could think of was, uh, "No, it's not." 
I think it is because they don't actually have permanently connected vehicles. So I don't think you can actually do it remotely over the internet. So it's a oh, US yeah. market only thing. Um, what about, oh, surely that's that's only a few years away though, you know. Oh, yeah. No, it's coming, right? It is absolutely coming. And that's what, you know, Chris and Charlie are on about is like, okay, we're going to demo why this is a bad idea, <laughs> you know, in the way that you're currently doing it. Um, but really the funniest thing about Chris, uh, uh, Chris Falasek and Charlie Miller doing this research is it's their stunt hacking. This isn't what they do for a living. They're doing this so that they get to travel all around the world and not pay for it. They, they do this so that they get free invites to conferences and a lot of frequent flyer points. You know, that's... And, oh, so they can tell their story everywhere around the world. Oh, that's, that's a great it. idea. That's, that's it's, it. it's their thing, man. It's their oh, travel shit. pass. It's great. I need, to, I need to hack something. Maybe I can hack like Bronwyn Bishop's chopper. That would be good. I that would be that. good. What that would you would do be. with it? I'd send it to a wind farm. Yes. All right, Dan Illick, it's been a pleasure to chat to you again. Uh, uh, pa- Patrick Gray, it's always nice to chat with you. And we'll try to do this again soon. Right on. Right on.